1: just like that. We're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. It's Thursday morning. It is September 23rd, the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm not going to start it like I normally start it because I'm a little bit shook at the moment. I'm recording this thing late Wednesday night, and I just got a DM from one of you, and I'm not going to mention the name. Uh, It's David. It's a normal name, so that doesn't really narrow it down all that much, but I got to read you this because here's the backdrop. I'm talking to some of our executive high-level mustache types today at CBS, and we were just talking about the show every number that they look at is above and beyond what best case scenario would be. It is just exploding. The show is just exploding. That's all thanks to you. I'm not taking credit for that. That's why I speak about it so regularly and so freely. But what they wanted to know is sort of the secret sauce. Like, what is it specifically? Because they don't have time to watch everything. They just see the numbers and they want to know, wait, what's this thing overachieving? What's it overperforming so much because of? And I tell them, connectivity, relationship. They say, oh, okay, but what's the real thing? No, that's it. Relationship. That's really it. Oh, that's all well and good. But I mean, you've never met these people. So like, what's the real deal? Doesn't matter. You don't have to have shared a room with someone to have a relationship with them. Anyway, I figure that's a dead end. Trying to explain it to someone who doesn't get it just doesn't get it. They're not among us. So therefore, maybe they don't get what this entire show is all about. But David does. David is one of us. And so David hits me with this DM right as I'm about to hit record. <coughs> Hey, Josh, hope you're doing well. So I thought you'd appreciate this. I had to have an emergency appendectomy this morning. Let me tell you, that was a lot of fun. Ha ha. Well, praise God, everything went well and I'm doing fine so far. But now I'm sitting on the hospital bed having dinner. I figured I'd watch something to help pass the time. David then proceeds to send screenshots of him watching last night's Late Kick Live um do any of you have the slightest comprehension about what goes into an appendectomy that's the one where they take your appendix out i've witnessed someone go through this and it looked like they would literally prefer death over what they were going through and so there's david five inches beyond death thinking to himself all the while well listen on one hand yeah they're about to take a major part of me out of my body but on the other hand I mean, Arkansas and A&M play this weekend. I got to know what the final prediction is. Are there any Ramen Noodle Express picks updated? I cannot miss the Tuesday show. Hero, first off, just pure, unadulterated hero energy from David. We've got a lot of heroes that have popped up lately. Those of you holding up signs... In the background on college game day, you are heroes, but heroes come in many shapes and many forms. And David is lighter as a human today because part of him was removed and yet he still got his fulfillment from late kick. And that my friends, both listening and on the sales team and our high level mustache executives around here, that is what makes the show just a little bit different. And that's why we are seeing bonkers numbers go all the way through the roof and beyond. So I thank you, every single one of you, for making that happen. Thank you, David. We're pulling for you. We're rooting for you. I wouldn't have shared that if he didn't tell me things look to be on the up and up. Things are on the mend. Things are okay. So go, David. Hashtag we will rebuild. Well, not the appendix so much. It's probably a lost cause, but we will rebuild. We will mend. We will rehab. And let's get through this together. This is something we're actually all in together, at least when it comes to you and me and the rest of the audience. And with that, we segue into what this is. With all the thousands of new listeners per episode, I have to continually remind you: on Tuesday and Thursday, we do a strict mailbag. You can hit me up via DM at Late Kick Josh on Twitter at Late Kick Josh Instagram. You can also email me Joshpate706 at gmail.com and all we really do as much as we can as rapid fire as possible is we hit your questions and I give you answers and sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad but it's my most fun time of the week because it's very interactive keep in mind we are headed to Dallas this Saturday for the Renaissance tour it rolls into Arlington I'm not crazy about the location for A&M Arkansas just like I'm not crazy about the location for Notre Dame Wisconsin I know most of you feel the same way. Uh, But it is what it is. But I look forward to no doubt meeting a lot of you there Saturday. Remember, the deal is still in place. And I've got something to tell you about an add-on to this deal. The deal is, any of you who get our brand any national notoriety, most recently that has included you holding up signs in the background for College Game Day and SEC Nation and whatnot, no one has done the Fox pregame show yet. So that's out there. Someone can still be the pioneer on that front. Anybody who pulls it off, you are getting something from me. They were ordered last night. I want one in my hand to be able to show you. I can't explain it. I want to be able to show you. But you are going to get one of those shipped to you. And let me tell you something else. You know we're partnering with Academy Sports. Well, Academy Sports has gotten wind of this. Academy Sports wants to sweeten the pot just a little bit. And I can't tell you any more than that. But I will tell you this. Academy Sports is playing ball with us. And that's a metaphor but it's absolutely intended, Academy is playing ball. They have ended up being the perfect partner for this show. And so just keep that in mind as you're venturing out there into the world this weekend. If there's a camera nearby, go ahead and take advantage of it. Let me hit Justin's first off here. Justin has been in the DMs on Instagram for, let's see, one, two, since Monday. And he asked me to give a shout out. And I didn't see it on Monday. A whole lot of people are DMing me. Now, I'm not telling you to stop. I appreciate it. I'm just saying sometimes it does happen that I overlook. Well, Justin is a big Maryland fan. And so he followed up me not responding to him with two turtle emojis. And then the next day, another turtle emoji. And today, yep, turtle emoji. And so I respect the dedication. So to Justin and everyone in Carroll County, Maryland, number one, thank you for listening. Number two, Maryland's 3-0. and Do you people realize this? Maryland's undefeated right now. And this Saturday, they play Kent State at home. If they win that game, not only will they move to 4-0, and they will welcome in Iowa. Yes, top 10, according to the AP, top 10 Iowa for a Friday night game on October 1st. So week five. Uh, that is going to be one that was off the radar totally at the beginning of the year. You probably didn't expect all that much from either of those teams, but especially Maryland. And all of a sudden, we could have if both parties uphold their end of the deal, you could have an undefeated matchup on a Friday night featuring Maryland hosting a game against Iowa? That is great. So I'm looking forward to it, Justin. Don't overlook Kent State. We want to respect the opponent. But if that happens, if I did not have something planned for that Friday, I am telling you, I would fly up to Maryland just to be at the game and then fly back down for, I don't want to ruin it, I don't want to tell you where the Renaissance Tour is going in week five, but it's going to be an incredible scene. It's going to be an incredible standalone scene, too, because those Friday night games, you get the standalone treatment, you get the national attention. So, good luck against Kent State. Thank you in Carroll County, Maryland for watching and listening to the show. There you go, Justin. You can keep hitting me with the turtle emojis if you want to, but I hope this sufficed. I, I had to take a time out there. It's going to sound really weird if you're listening to the pod because there's no break, but I just took a little time out because, as sure as I just told you about David's appendectomy to start the pod, I look down at my phone, and all of a sudden, here comes Connor Graham, another one of us, and he says, me too, man. I had one. And I said, what, lunch? No, I had an appendectomy this week and still caught the show too. (coughs) Allow me to share. I had to have an emergency appendectomy yesterday. I watched the show in recovery. It definitely made my night better. Thanks for providing excellent content. Oh, this is the money sentence, everyone. The first thing I put on after my recovery was my new Georgia shirt from Academy, And he tagged the sponsor in the tweet. So not only did he lose the appendix, not only did he still catch the show, but he hit the triple threat. He hit up the sponsor and said, hey, I also bought some stuff from you guys. If they ever tell you the perfect viewer and listener doesn't exist, I would just direct the marketing consultants right over to our audience. That's incredible. What are the odds, by the way? Our friends at Caesar Sportsbook, if you guys are listening, could you give me some odds on a couple of viewer or listener appendectomies? Over a 24 to 48-hour period, it's got to be plus 2,000, plus 3,000. We're getting into South Carolina wins the SEC territory very quickly. Gamecock fans, you know I kid because I care. But what a weird chain of events to start the podcast recording here. Oh, by the way, a uh, little side note, and then we'll continue. That whole tagging Academy Sports and just adopting Academy Sports as one of us boy, it's paying dividends. I mean, I've had a couple of phone calls that have been extremely positive to say the very least over the last week. I mean, since Monday, guys. Uh, So you are being noticed. I mean, really being noticed. So when you make those purchases, just keep tagging myself and keep tagging Academy Sports and you will be very, very surprised very, very soon where that can take us. Because you may sit there and you may think, oh, well, that's great for him. He gets all the money off these advertising deals. No, friends, you're going to get the money off of those advertising deals. I can't tell you yet. I'm just telling you it's coming. I've hinted at it. Uh, we we pretty much verbally agreed to it today, uh, so I'm probably talking more than I should at the moment, but I will let you know when I can let you know. All right, we continue. Here's a really interesting question from Bobby on Twitter. Has this year's results thus far combined with recent seasons shown that there might be room for Central Florida to bump one of the big three Florida schools from their prominence If they're accepted to the Big 12, well, they've been accepted. I mean, they're headed to the Big 12. So what Bobby is saying is essentially you got the Big 3 of Florida, Miami, Florida State. And even though try as they might and they've had some success, Central Florida, as long as they have that G5 label attached to their program, they'll always be fourth best. Not even second best, fourth best. That's the perception. I believe that. That has been perception. And that's been reality. He's asking, could that change now that they're going to be part of a Power 5 conference. Well, there are two things to keep in mind here. Number one, we have to figure out long-term how the Big 12 is going to be perceived. Like, I'll ask you guys, do you think down the road, knowing how the conferences are shifting, you got Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, and then you got, who is it? Houston, Cincinnati, Brigham Young, and Central Florida going to the Big 12. As currently constructed, do you think that makes the Big 12 a power five? Do you view them as comparable to? what you would currently consider a Power Five conference. I'm asking you because I don't really know how I feel about that yet. I think ultimately we got to see the product on the field. Uh, But if it is to maintain that status, let me say, then yes, Central Florida has got a really good energy about it. It's got a really good infrastructure. It's got good support down there. There's been a good foundation. There have been multiple years and now multiple regimes down there that have understood the way to win. And What that screams to me is there is a Central Florida formula. It's not just you know Danny White comes in, or it's not just that uh, Scott Frost comes in, and then when they leave, they take it all with them. No, that's not the way it's been there. This has been a sustainable model for quite a while. Obviously, recruiting goes nowhere but up. And that's why I don't have the same concerns with them that I've had with Utah, for example. Utah, once upon a time, was in the Mountain West. Famously, in 2008, they go to the Sugar Bowl and beat Alabama. And they were undefeated, I believe, that year. And Kyle Whittingham's been there forever. But when Utah made the jump to the Pac-12, it was over for Utah. Making those kinds of games, it was over. The reason was not because Utah became a worse program. It was because, on average per week, they were going to compete against a higher caliber athlete across the ball from them, playing in the Pac-12. You may scoff at the Pac-12, but I can tell you there's a lot better athlete, on average, in the Pac-12 than there is in the Mountain West. That's just the way it is. Bruce Hornsby... And so uh, what happened was Utah was not able to get by on just out scheming and out executing because eventually some better athletes beat them on any given day. And so the net result is Utah has still been a very solid program, but they haven't been in those New Year's six games. They haven't been in the playoff. That's not where they've been. The difference in what Central Florida can do is Utah is choked off from recruiting pipelines out there in Salt Lake City. In Orlando, Florida, you don't have to worry about that. And so when they elevate at Central Florida, I also think they'll elevate the overall caliber of athlete they bring in, just on average, to where you can compete on what we would call the Power Five level consistently. So I do not expect it to be a deterrent. I think we could ask the exact same question about Houston, although they're not you know, in Florida, so the entire context was Florida. But I think the level of play for Houston I would not expect them to get swallowed up by any means by the Big 12. So my answer here, and Miami and Florida State are not doing anything to quell this suspicion that Central Florida could hop one or both of them. My answer is, yeah, I could see that happening. We can tie in Kane's warning here. Uh, Really, really good account, by the way. If you guys love Miami football, I mean, I love our Inside the U account first and foremost. Don't get me wrong. But there are some other good sites out there that follow Miami and Kane's warning on Twitter. Really good follow. And they said, you always give good and fair Miami perspective. I would just like your general thoughts. My general thoughts right now are I don't like where Miami is. I also scoff at the notion that it is a recruiting issue. I don't think that the go-to, which I think has become a little bit lazy, is anytime Miami loses a game, I have this section of people that'll text me and they'll say, Man, see, Miami, they can't recruit better. They're not in the top five recruiting. That's why they're losing these games. No, it's not. No, it's not. And I'm not defending their inability to lock down South Florida. That is an issue. They should be better in South Florida. Alabama and Ohio State should not be able to, and Clemson, should not be able to come down there and cherry pick. I've heard every reason why that happens, and every single one of them has been an excuse. But I go back to recruiting because it's not recruiting, solely recruiting at least, I guess I should say. It's not solely recruiting. Let me take you back to what just happened to Miami. Miami just lost to Michigan State. Miami barely beat App State. On no planet are those programs recruiting, even now, comparable to Miami. And we don't perceive Miami as recruiting at an elite level, but they still recruited a higher level, or at least have, over the past few years than Michigan State and App State. And yet one of them blew him out. The other one almost beat him. Like it's one thing to lose to Alabama. Yeah, Alabama out recruits you. And that is the reason Alabama beat you in week one. They just got way better players than you do. App State doesn't have better players than you. Michigan State does not have better raw talented players than you. I would argue they have a better team, uh, but that's going into the point I'm making here. It's not recruiting. If the less talented teams are also beating you, it's not a recruiting issue It would be a recruiting issue if Miami was getting every single drop of potential out of their current roster in their current makeup, and they were just coming up that much short because they did not have good enough football players. That's not what's happening. A lot of the guys on Miami's roster, you don't see year-over-year improvement. There are exceptions, but as a general model, do you see that organization, do you see that roster getting that much better year over year. That's what should be happening. That's called growth. That's called progress. Uh, That's called development. And I don't see that happening. So you lose to Alabama. Yeah. Okay. You chalk that up to recruiting, but you can't beat Michigan state or stay within what three scores of them at home. That's not a recruiting issue. You got other issues. It's not a recruiting issue. So anyway, that's my feel. Now, having said that, that is harsh, but I think it's necessary. And I think any legitimate rational Miami fan of which I know several have to be watching that product, thinking the same thing. Like, it's not sunshine and rainbow time down there right now. It is honest, blunt conversation time. And I'm rooting for them. Okay, that's kind of why I talk the way I do. I root for them. I have long since made my thoughts about Miami and FSU in Florida be known. I root for them. I root for all the teams in Texas, all the teams in California, all the teams in Florida. I believe that is the answer to the whole parody and nirvana that everyone wants and balance that everyone wants in the sport. Those programs doing a lot more to lock down a majority of their in-state talent so that you don't have a raid going on every year by a few select programs, that is the answer to injecting more long-term balance and parity instead of just settling for one year, which for all we know is all we're going to get here. That is my feeling towards Miami. But what I was about to say is, this is not me calling for anyone's job. I don't think all is lost. I think there is still Time to rectify things. It's just the whole definition of insanity. Think you can't just keep going about it the same way. So I'm interested to see what the adjustments are for Manny Diaz and his staff down there. Colby, next up. What are your current thoughts on Georgia going into Week Four? Well, they may not make me all that popular around my home state, uh, but this is not a negative. What I'm saying here, so please take this for what it is. I think Georgia's a little overinflated at the moment. I, I think defensively, they're a little overinflated at the moment. Now, notice what I didn't say there. What I didn't say is, I don't think George is good defensively. That's not what I said. I don't think George is great defensively. That's not what I said. What I said is they're probably a little overinflated. I think their staff understands there are some vulnerabilities on that defense that have had no shot at being exposed yet. Think about what happened with Alabama in week one that you just saw kind of crumble. You saw Alabama beat Miami, the aforementioned Hurricanes, and they got inflated because of that. Remember, there was a week... About a couple of weeks ago, there was a week's period where everybody talked about Alabama, far and away, the best team in America, blah, blah, blah. You remember that. And why? Well, it was because we just saw them beat what we think is a top 20 team. Well, the problem is that entire reputation, because the season was so young, was based on beating Miami. Well, then Miami all of a sudden barely gets by App State, and then they get thrashed by Michigan State. Well, that reputation is built on fool's gold at that point. And it didn't help, did it, that you saw Alabama struggle against Florida? Or I guess what it did is it made the struggle against Florida make a little bit more sense. Well, the point is, now everyone's kind of pulled Alabama back down to the pack, haven't they? They haven't lost a game, but they've pulled them back down to the pack. Because you know you got fooled by week one to a certain degree. Let me ask you a question. You watch Clemson play since they've played Georgia? Anyone seen Clemson play? I mean, they kicked a can around for a few quarters against South Carolina State. Uh, They could not do anything against Georgia Tech. They almost got beat by Georgia Tech the other day. Georgia's reputation is based on that game. I hope everyone realizes that. Georgia's a very good team. Now, I got them ranked number two, so I'm right there with everyone. But I'm telling you, I'm talking to some of my buddies here. There is a reputation that is being attached to this Georgia defense right now. It's just being otherworldly. And there's going to come a time this year. I'm warning you now because it's going to happen. There's going to come a time where someone you don't expect to have success against you is going to have some offensive success against you, and because of the overinflation effect, half the country is going to freak out and say, what's wrong with Georgia? The answer is going to be nothing's wrong with Georgia. You will have just been the victim again of allowing yourself to overinflate perception of something. Uh, The fact of the matter is, Georgia can win a national title this year. I love Georgia. You can make an argument right now. They're the most balanced team in the country, Uh, but I was asked for my thoughts on them. So those are the positives. One of the negatives is I think that defense is being overinflated a little bit. There's some great pieces to it, but I also think that there are some vulnerabilities, especially on the back end, that will not be exposed unless quarterback play on their regular season schedule rapidly improves. And so what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about potentially Georgia having time to get their entire secondary back first off. So maybe it's a moot point by the time they do play legitimate quarterbacks. But at the very least, we're probably talking about a prolonged period where you could have a vulnerability exist and no one know about it. It's happened before in college football. It normally doesn't happen in the SEC because you normally face enough quality teams down here. It just so happens that this year, look up and down Georgia's schedule. Where's the quarterback? Which quarterback is it that's going to run up on them and challenge them? Is it Bo Nix? Is it Emory Jones? Where is he? So those are some thoughts. I know I I can see the eye, Josh, already blowing up today with people misunderstanding what I just said, but those are my thoughts on Georgia right now. Uh, my second set of thoughts is I think I'm about to see a whole lot of you guys this Friday in Nashville. I know you're going to come up here and do your usual takeover of Commodore Stadium, Vanderbilt Stadium, on Saturday, and the guys over at Dogs 24-7 along with 680, the fan, there in Atlanta, they're having a get-together right down on Broadway, just a few blocks away from where I live, actually. Yeah. I'm in the heart of it here in Nashville. And so I'm going to stop by. I got, a, I got a later in the afternoon flight. I have rearranged my flight to Dallas this Saturday to coincide with, yes, a Dogs 24 7 podcast recording right there in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. So you're welcome, everyone. Good name here up next, Joshua. Maybe it's a soft J. Maybe it's Joshua. Either way, he said, who are the great minds behind the late kick prediction model? Uh Well, I'm not going to go as far as to say great, but I'm one of them. I am a key contributor. I'm the key contributor. Uh, but I will tell you, I've kind of, I don't know, tiptoed around this. I have a partner that is a data scientist, been working with him for quite a while. We have built that model over several years. And I would also tell you that there is heavy influence in that model to be found on a website. Now, those of you who tune in on Friday nights to the Friday Night Lines, Secret Instagram Live Chat. Number one, we've been on fire. I think the picks have been 16 and 3 against the spread. Those aren't even the Ramen Noodle Express. These are added liens. They're not picks, they're liens that I hand out. So I don't add them to my record. That's not official, but I'm just telling you, 16 and 3 is not too shabby. Uh, but another partner is uh, one of the folks who runs collegefootballunlimited.com. And I advise you guys, as I have before and I will again, If you're actually betting, do not arm yourself with your gut, A, and B, do not pay anyone to give you picks. Please don't fall into that trap. Your margins are too thin in this stuff as it is. You cannot afford to be cutting into your bankroll to pay someone to give you picks. If you're going to buy anything, don't spend a lot of money on it. And number two, buy information. That's the reason anytime you guys ask me for a resource or you're asking me right now, the brains behind the model, well, one of those people also is with College Football Unlimited. That's why there's a lot of there's a lot of synergy sometimes in what you'll hear me put out on the air as the late kick model. And then if you're a subscriber over there, and trust me, it does not cost nearly as much as it should. If you see their model runs, you see their weekly analysis, it sounds a lot the same. Uh, there are a lot of similarities to the way we're doing things. There are only a few tweaks between what I do and what they do. And so I always tell you guys, if you want a resource, I'd go to collegefootballunlimited.com and I would subscribe over there. I think they have two tiers of package. Either one of them buys you what you need. And to me, their most valuable resource is there's a matchup simulator where on a moment's notice, you could simulate any game and get any point spread on it. But number two, their weekly analysis is a really good tool. So the brains behind our model have to remain nameless uh, because that is an agreement I have with those parties. Uh, But if you want something that is, I guess, out there the closest to what I'm looking at internally, it would be over at collegefootballunlimited.com. I have no affiliation with the website. That would be illegal. I think it's against my contract. I don't know. I'm not going to take any chances. I don't run the website. It's not me. It's not some ghost that is a JP. Uh, But I do know the people who run that. I very much trust them. Wouldn't send you there if I didn't. Let's move on. I feel bad because I put out the call to action on Twitter And we got like 115 responses here. I'm trying to get through as many as I can. Next up is, why is the college football media hell-bent on ruining the greatest sport ever? You know what? I'm going to leave that alone. I'm just going to say that because that could mean a lot of things. Half of it I probably would agree with. I will just say this, and this is dead serious. You could never imagine what the traction you're giving shows like mine do to to the kinds of people who genuinely don't have a passion for this sport. I know there's a lot of ire and angst that's turned towards your local press box. And I know that you know some of you, I personally think this is lazy, some of you lump all of you know, college football media into one little ball. Well, that is not it. That is not it. This time, last year, about 14 months ago, there were some clowns out there who exposed themselves thoroughly. They got excited because this thing came along called COVID. It was very serious. It was a world issue. But in their world, college football, which they're not passionate about, never have been. I don't think they have any business being in here. They finally got excited. Talking about football does not excite certain kinds of people in our world. But talking about world issues, when they can loosely tie it into college football, they got all excited. You saw them. It was clear as day. I don't have to name names. You know exactly who I'm talking about. And they exposed themselves. Well, here's what happened. You are making them pay for it. You with your remote control or with your phone and with your viewership and listenership habits, you made them pay for it. Guys, it's no coincidence late kick blew up this time last year. It's no coincidence. Out of a cold start here at 24-7, it blew up. It blew up because we didn't talk about any of that foolishness and we didn't participate in any of that foolishness. And we never apologized. None of us on this podcast apologized. For loving college football, because that is the only commonality. That is the only common thread that brings this collection of people together. I'm not gonna sit here and force my politics on you. I'm a very political person. I got strong political beliefs. Believe you me, I could go all day with you, but it's not gonna happen on this podcast, and it's not gonna happen on Late Kick Live. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is there was and is currently a big shift happening in this space because of you. You don't know it's happening because you don't get to see behind the scenes but a lot of executive types took notice this time last year, and they are in the process of taking notice. There are big audience trends shifting away from traditional and rapidly shifting towards more new age, what I call alternative college football media. I would classify what we do as that. This is not found on a TV show from one time slot to another time slot. That's not the way this works. You listen to it on your schedule. You watch it on your schedule, but also it's a lot looser. Uh, We own the content. We get to determine the parameters. You get to drive the show. So the question was, why are some people hell-bent on running the sport? Well, I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know, but I will tell you this. They've ruined their careers a lot more than they've ruined the sport. The sport will be fine. Coverage of the sport will be fine. It's just that you guys have hastily turned over a dead layer of topsoil And you've given folks like me the ability to grow. You've given shows like this the ability to grow. It's why I take what we do seriously. Because there's a standard that we need to uphold because we don't get benefit of the doubt. You know, if we got pumped off a J school assembly line and we had all the proper degrees on the wall, we'd be given a benefit of the doubt. Well, we didn't. We came from a fabric warehouse 10 years ago. That's where we came from. We came from Columbus, Georgia. We came from Columbus State University. There is no Northwestern degree or Syracuse degree on my wall, but that's fine. We just work to a high standard. And in the process, we show people that previously probably thought if they didn't have those degrees, they couldn't do this, that yeah, you can. I don't care how old you are either. Yeah, you can do that. So that's, I know, not what was asked, but that's part of what motivates me to get up every day. So I actually appreciate the question. And I'm also in the process of doing that thing where I forget to toss to the ad break. So let's do it right now, and then we shall continue.
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, next up, Inside the Swamp asks, can three SEC teams make the
1: playoff? And if it happened, would it be good for college football? Oh, You know the rule. You know the rule. I put it in my own contract, figuratively, of course. I'm just not going to talk about the playoff in September. I apologize if that means I have to ignore a question but I promise you, if you come back to me with this question in late October, I will answer it. I'm just too wrapped up in the regular season right now. I am not paying one iota of attention to the college football playoff. I kid you not. I saw someone out there, Now I respect this person, but I saw someone out there put out a hypothetical 12-team playoff field based on the current rankings. It is September at this time. At this point, when this was put out, the calendar had not even shifted from summer to fall. What are we doing? Just enjoy it. Just en- it's okay to just get lost in the moment. Enjoy it. The regular season, they give you 12 of these weeks. You don't have to hit the fast forward button. Do that in July. Fast forward to the season. Once you get in the season, if anything, you need to go Fred Flintstone. <clears throat> you need to put your feet on the ground. Slow down. Make time stand still. Don't try and speed it up. Okay, we got to wrap up here with two questions I promised I would ask. Several of you have asked me what's the story behind that gif that I tweet out so often. It's where I'm standing behind Jamie Erdahl, who works for us here at CBS, and Ed Orgeron, and I'm shaking my head and I am mouthing the words, you hate to see it. What is the context there? Well, here's the context. I was doing independent late kick. It, we were not here at 24-7 in CBS yet. I was down in Columbus, and that was leading into the SEC championship game in 2019. And there were about five Georgia fans there in Columbus who were adamant. I mean, to the point of just being belligerent. They were adamant they were going to beat LSU. This was the Joe Burrow LSU team, by the way, and they were adamant they were going to beat them. When they released that line and it opened at LSU minus four, I made the biggest bet of my life on LSU. I told our audience, I cannot believe this. I've never used the word lock. The closest I've ever come to using the word lock was on LSU minus four, LSU minus anything under a touchdown in the SEC championship game in 2019. I thought it was the most horrifically flawed point spread release on a big stage that I've ever seen Vegas make. It was never even close. I mean, you guys watched the game. It was never close. And so what happened was I put that out, and some of our Georgia viewers got defensive. And they just, I think they started saying things they didn't really believe with their heart, but they just started talking. And so I started going back and forth with them. It was all in good fun, but I mean, it got, it got heated now and I'm doing the show just like I do now, but there was a little more interaction that week. And I told them, I said, look, you know, this game's going to happen, right? This is not hypothetical. This game's actually going to happen on Saturday and I'm going to be there and you know, good and well, where I'll be after that game wraps up. And I let them know it was coming. And Sure enough, Georgia gets splattered all over the place, and I got behind that camera, and I looked them in the eye, and I said, you hate to see it. Some of them haven't talked to me since. You hate to see it. I feel since I'm from Georgia, I get a little more leeway on this stuff. If Georgia won a national championship, it would be the greatest thing in the history of our show. My biggest viewership and listenership base is in the state of Georgia. That's no shock. That's where I'm from. But because of that, you know, it's kind of like you can do things to your kid brother that the neighbor is not allowed to do or else you'd go after the neighbor. It's the same way. Like with me in Georgia, I took some liberties there, but we did get an all-time classic GIF out of it. So I think it was worth it in the end. And for the record, some of my Georgia buddies have actually stolen it and even they use it. So I think it's all worth it in the end. Number two, Ryan asked a question that has a tragic answer. Ryan said, hey, what was your pregame meal before Auburn-Penn State when you were in state college? The answer, Ryan, is nothing, nothing at all. I drank a couple of protein shakes, as I am one to do, and then other than that, there was no food served in the media field suite. Now, I'm not complaining, mind you, uh, but I am used to being in stadiums where they do serve you food in the press box or the field suite, and I intentionally do not eat. I take the Jake Rowe approach. Ironically, works for Dogs 24-7. He always talks about how he alters his diet on a game day because he knows he's going to embarrass himself and just gorge himself in a press box when he gets to a stadium. Well, I do the same thing. So you can imagine my horror when there is no food. There were no saltines or anything. I drank my pregame meal. I drank protein shakes. And then I did not eat before, during, or after the game. And then I have to get on the road and I don't have time to stop because I told you the nightmare story of trying to get out of Beaver Stadium. Again, not complaining. But anyway, I saw all that to say I did not eat until so, I ate breakfast at the hotel in Pittsburgh, and then I leave and I drive. I'll, I'll tell you what I ate lunch with our cameraman. I ate some sushi, some authentic Pennsylvania sushi. I ate uh, downtown, really good place there. It wasn't crowded either, surprisingly. From that time, which was noon, I did not eat again until probably nine o'clock the next morning. And I know that people have gone longer, but you're talking to someone who eats six full meals a day. I it was tough. It was, was, to quote Andy Bernard, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I haven't had a very hard life. One of the greatest underrated quotes from The Office. Okay, so those were two questions I promised I would answer. I got to get out of here. I got to send this off to Producer Jordan. Hey, make sure you're five-star reviewing this thing. We are getting close to 2,000. Can't wait to get there. I just want fresh confetti for when we get there for you all. So uh, make sure you're five-star reviewing this thing. Steal an iPhone from your family if you have to. Just make sure you return it afterwards. Thank you so much for making the show what it is. Can't wait to see what it can become. Until then, for producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. We will see you tonight on Late Kick Live. Until then, have a good day and God bless.
0: Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.